Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 673 of Longbox Heroes, the Lamborghini of comic book podcasts. Joe and Todd here. Hello, how are you, Todd? I'm doing fantastic, Joe. As I always hope, you're doing well, too. Yes. I'm still playing with how far away I'm supposed to keep the microphone from myself, you know? Mm -hmm. I'm thinking about swiveling and rocking my chair as much as I can. Oh, well, I'm glad you got most of that out in between the recording of the two shows. I do that. I limber up for the show, Joe. Yes. Limber up. I was stretching today as someone who works from home and is sedentary most of the day. I'm like, I need to, like, not be sedentary all the time. I need to move more often. Yep. Um, as a large man myself, the only thing I've ever stretched is the truth, Joe. Oh, there you go. Well, don't worry, Todd. I will tell you when you're telling lies. Ah, I know. And I know how you're going to do it, too. Yes. Um, but one thing I'm not lying about is uh, there's no news this week. Shocking. And I'll say this. So I, I always say there's no news this week with a caveat, right? Because there is news. But, like, sadly, it's like, I don't know, there's news that either doesn't, like, really pertain to us or that we don't care about. Or sad. Know, or, yeah, like, I know there was a couple weeks ago where there was, like, a news story about um, Axel Alonso taking over the X-Books, right? Right, right. And I'm like, I don't care about no X-Books. I was just going to say, I was going to do Joe. I don't read no X-Books. Yeah, I don't know. Right. The only news that that, that that maybe was in my mind but I was, like, was Arlene Sorkin passed away. And that was like, oh, I was sad about that. Mm -hmm. Because what, truly like one of the great characters created in the last 30 years for comics. And it wasn't even in the comics. Yeah. Uh, and again, Arlene Sorkin, the voice and inspiration for... Uh, much of Harley Quinn, and obviously Harley Quinn is kind of, you know, so far away from what that original thing was thirty years ago. Right. But you know, they always play, they always pay homage to it. You always see a lot of that imagery um, in most of the not adult-oriented animated stuff. She's always in that look, and they do try to mirror or parrot that voice and like so much of what that character was was the voice and the distinct style and you know mm -hmm. a little bit of everything and now as i've said before based on i think the character from rocky horror picture show but that's neither here nor there yeah and, and i popped when uh in the one Suicide Squad movie, they had Margot Robbie in the classic Harley costume for a hot second yeah i was like oh man if they ever did that Oh, that would be so great. I think they like and like, like I said, they'll do it every now and then uh, in the comics, you know, or like she'll go on some sort of mission. Like I haven't read a Harley book in quite some time, but she'll do like a thing where like that suit's hanging in the closet or right. she'll put the closet, she'll put the outfit on like, oh, it still fits, you know, whatever that sort of thing. Mm -hmm, right. Um, but yeah, so that's a bummer. That's sad. Um, and then like another one was there was a bit with like Mark Millar was like, challenging image on their sales since most of the companies don't because everything is so spread out through so yeah. many distribution channels it's tough to track what the sales of stuff are and you yeah. know when dc went to lunar you know we're we just passed like three years ago of that happening like the sales charts are more or less dead so nobody knows publicly how good a book is or isn't doing Yep. And Image went and released their numbers for like whatever the month Mark Millar was questioning. And I was just like, oh, Spawn books are all the number one selling Image books. I'm like, well, I guess the more things change, the more they say the same, you know? 
Right. And don't even get me started on people who say, well, it sells well in digital mm-hmm. and then offers no proof about that. You know what I mean? Right, right. And, you know, I, I, I was a big fan because I remember when it was a more prevalent thing. I would try to, you know, work into the show like numbers like that and bring up a discussion of that. And, you My know, Todd's too, roll over. Right. Todd's too nice of a guy to tell me uh, I don't like doing this. But I got the hint after maybe like seven or eight times of trying to do it. I'm like, oh, OK, I'm picking up what Todd's putting down. I, I just figured if you wanted to, like, tell me yeah. about it, I'm fine with it. But right. I, let's just say I'm not going to talk just to talk when I have nothing to offer. I feel yeah. that's just boring, dead right. like air, you know. And, you know, and obviously, uh, you know, di- as you mentioned, digital, you know, there's no way to track that either. You know, you could look, there's so many different ways that you get your books digitally as well. Mm-hmm. You know, um, there's people that subscribe to the Marvel or the DC unlimited things to read certain books on whatever the delay on those are. Right. Right. So um, you're nine dollars a month or whatever it is. That's going toward however many books, but you're waiting the four to six weeks for those to come out. And then I know there's a lot of writers that tout the Amazon numbers, you know, Amazon through Comixology mm-hmm. for trade paperbacks as opposed to single issues. Right. And I would say this about numbers talk that I would do it like part of the problem is, is it's mostly conjecture. Yeah. Because we don't, even back then when it was all under one umbrella, we didn't have definitive because they went, oh, this is the highest selling book, or this company has the highest amount of selling books, but this company's winning by price point because they have the $7.99. And I'm like, it's, yeah. it's all jumbled. So, but if we just had like back in the old days on Previewing the Past where they were, uh, uh, you know, Diamond, the previews would have, these are our top selling books right here and then have the price next to it it made it easy i'm like i have a top 100 list all i have to do is like what in my mind it's just easier to figure out than this we have to extrapolate from 10 different sources yeah. i can't do that but the one thing that i will say is you don't really have to worry about the big two or a book that's kind of already established like let's say right. saga at image right mm-hmm they're Which always going to so late, but don't get me started. I know uh, I, I see that haunting me in my spreadsheet, but anyway, um, a lot of times I think I'm like, Oh, the longer it is until that comes out. And maybe the shorter the break will be between the end of this story arc and the beginning of the next story arc. Uh, but, uh, you want to take an opportunity on that? Uh, I, but, I will gladly bet you. But then reality sinks in. It's just like, oh, that's just moving that six to eight month goalpost <laughs> that yep. much further back the later and later that book gets. But exactly. it's like that glimmer of hope that you have, you know? Right, but you're saying don't worry about oh, these. But, yeah. yeah. So, like, they're always going to put a Batman book out. They're always going to put a Spider-Man book out. There's always going to be an Avengers book. There's always going to be a Justice League book. Whatever, right? Mm-hmm. If you have a favorite creator out there who's doing something at one of the smaller publishers, they push so hard. And I know our local retailer does it on the behalf of the stuff that he's a fan of or that he knows his readers, you know, people who come to the shop. It's like, hey, don't forget the final order cutoff date is this, right? Right. Or books that he actually definitively feels are good. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, these, right. these are good. Yeah. Um, and those are the things that you want to push, you know, like we're unabashedly fans of like Mark Russell's stuff, Kyle Stark stuff, just in Jason Aaron stuff, just to name a few, not that Jason Aaron needs our help to sell a book, but like, you know, Mark Russell's really been pushing rumpus room from AWA, you know, 
Kyle um, Starks was uh, an up and comer. You know what I mean? And yeah. Um. So when you see your favorite creator is pushing something, like those are the things that you really need to go and put your order in for, whether it be digitally or at the store or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Um. But I will say this, and like this news segment became like more of just like a kibitzin segment. Right, a soapbox. Because <laughs> I ended up listening to Kyle Starks on uh, John Suntress's Word Balloon this past week, right? Mm-hmm. He was on there to promote uh, Marvel Unleashed, and I was hoping to get information about his upcoming projects. Right. And I got information off there. It hasn't hit any of the news wires. You know, obviously, Johnny's got a big audience there, but, like, you know, the Johnny audience, maybe not huge Kyle Starks guys. We're big Kyle Starks guys. Um, He is doing a sequel to uh, Where Monsters Lie at Dark Horse. I figured that would be coming. And and I feel so bad because he's like, I don't remember the guy's name. Um, But it was the guy who who was doing the art on Flash, not the new guy who's doing the art on Flash. Okay. Okay. Pastorina? Maybe. He's like, I don't remember the guy's name. He goes, I just sent him the script. So they're mm-hmm. doing a crime book at Boom. I, I may pick that up, Joe. And by may, I mean I will. Right. So, you know, that's... And I, I like that he's trying to, like, stick his toe into the different genres of stuff just to kind of see what fits. You know, right. he's always got his sense of humor and stuff regardless, you know? Maybe he's trying to figure out what company sells the most books by working for each of them. <laughs> well... Um, again, I'll just say this. He does throw some shade at Dynamite during the course of the interview. <laughs> but he's always a happy, such a happy-go-lucky guy, Joe. He, he he says, he goes, oh, I did this, and I did this, and I did this, and I did this Mars Attack book at Dynamite, which, again, I don't know if you can get any more. He goes, Dynamite doesn't like to make money, and he just moved on, and I'm just like, oh, boy. <laughs> you know what? Uh, he might be a, a salty junior, you know yeah, I I think everyone's got the salt in them, you know. <laughs> if you work for enough comic companies, you get the salt, Joe. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so again, that's kind of the news, right? Yeah. Is there anything else we have on the show, or are we done? No, we're not done. So there's conventions this weekend, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we've got, and it's a big convention weekend too. Uh, we've got the Tucson Comic Con in Tucson, Arizona. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jimmy Palmiotti and Amanda Connor, Joe Jusco, James O'Barr, Christopher Priest, and the Honky Tonk Man is going to be there. Oh, okay. If you're going to that convention, go ask the uh, Honking Tonk Man how he feels about them uh, breaking his streak as being the longest reigning Intercontinental Champion of all time. Oh, that's he's, terrible. He's not happy about it, but he's not selling it either. Yeah, I got you. Now I know who... Uh, HTM is in my yes. notes. So there you go. A brief. I, I like to sneak those in. You know. Yep. I figured. Uh, then we have Galaxy Con in Austin, Texas, and this is a jammed up uh, super show. I would say um, lots of you know uh, lots of really cool names, media guests, whatever. Um, but like Dan DiDio is going to be there. Mark Wade is going to be there. I'm noticing they've been at like shows together a lot lately. Mm-hmm. And I keep saying I want that Dan DiDio, Mark Wade, Mark picture of the two of them together. Right. Cool. <laughs> uh, Chris Sprouse, Fabio Moon, uh, Cully Hamner, Yannick Paquette, uh, Simon Bisley, Brett Breeding, who I'm a big sucker for. 
Um, on the media guest side, you know, William Shatner's there. Barry Bostwick is there. Oh, I want that Mark photo. Uh, the the Daredevil Netflix Marvel, you know, meet and greet thing has changed up a little bit. Uh, Charlie Cox is there. Vincent D'Onofrio is there. But Kristen Ritter is there. Uh, Kristen, hit me up respectfully. <laughs> um, I will say if you're going to GalaxyCon, I would ask Kristen Ritter when the last time she's been to Shikshini was. Oh, I will say this, too, about Kristen Ritter. Uh, high on my draft board, Joe. Oh, yeah? Yeah. The same board that was outside the garage, or is that a different board? <laughs> right, same one. Uh, but I'd say the biggie this weekend is Dragon Con in Atlanta. Ooh, that's a scary con, I've been told by creators. <laughs> well, you know, I, I mention this only because a bunch of our favorite creators are there. The aforementioned Mark Russell and Kyle Starks are going to be at that. Uh, Paul Jenkins is going to be there. Phil Hester, Clayton Crane, uh, Ed Brisson, Michael Cho. And I didn't even get into, like, the media guest types or the literary types. Right. I don't know any of those folks. Right. And it's like a lot big like gaming con too so yeah never been to dragon not on my list though it's on like the short list like once i get to c2e2 once i get to heroes con once i get to emerald city san diego uh i'm okay let's see if san diego keeps it about the comics like for like two or three years in a row um, once the strike is busted, it yeah. will not be about the comics, Joe. Mm-hmm. I will. Another thing, I'll take opportunities. All right. Well, listen, I, 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 I'm understanding that the strike is at least going into the beginning of the new year, so we'll see how that goes. I, I believe it. Yeah. Uh, but uh, you know the links to all these conventions. If you're heading to those, uh, you know, um, if you're going to Dragon Con, uh, go ask uh, Kyle Starks what his thought on the uh, whole Phil from Chicago stuff is. <laughs> uh, but the links to all these conventions are in the show notes to the episode along with information about the soon-to-be-named network at soon-to-be-named-network.com or soon-to-be-named-network.tumblr.com That's the first time in many months that I was able to get through that without the hole in my lip from when my nephew smashed it. Uh, started uh, irritating me. I was worried. Yeah, for some reason, the, the confluence of words of soon-to-be-named-network.com uh, would agitate it. But anyway. Abdominal stretch, Joe. No, I'm not saying that. I'm not falling for that one. Uh, anytime any of the shows in the soon-to-be-named-network go live, uh, or anytime any of the folks from those shows go on other shows and let me know, you can find them over at soon-to-be-named-network.com. And that includes, of course, this show, Longbox Heroes, uh, Longbox Heroes After Dark, of course, uh, Final Wrestling Place, Puzzle Warriors 3, Profane Arguments, Add Odds with Wrestling, We Need to Work Wrestling, Wings on Wings, Hayabusi, which did have a new episode come out just recently in the last week. Uh, young Ed is uh, currently recovering from 500 bullet shot wounds. Oh, my goodness. It was a rough day. Uh, and I think we're getting one more episode that... Football season starts in about a week and a half. We only got so much time before we get another that boutique episode of uh, No Chance in Helmet, right? I believe Marcus said that he's so excited he needs to calm down a little bit before oh, we can record. Because he won't make any sense. He's so happy and so full of energy to do it. Yes. Uh, oh, oh, boy. All right. Um, 
So, again, like I said, all the information is there uh, in the show notes, of course, along with uh, a lot of our friends and their to-doings around the Internet. Uh, go check out our friend Mike Sterling's blog over at ProgressiveRuin.com. Go check out our friend Kevin's blog at MassedLibrary.com. He's currently going through a re-de-branding of things, but, again, we'll uh, you know give that the full plug when that's ready to go. Uh, go check out Rick Williams' The Chop Shop at FreeKarateChops.StoreEnvy.com. Uh, go check out Jason Sandberg's Jupiter, uh, still available a la carte with all the uh, accoutrements and goodies over at the Indiegogo page that he has. Friend of the show, longtime listener of the show, Chris Runt, has his own self-published comic at Battle Monsters. Uh, that Battle Monsters, that's at FortressOfComicNews.com. Our good friend Davey of the band Cave People and artist Rosovia have their own self-published comic keeper that you could pick up at keepercomic.bigcartel.com and if you do not have a comic book shop in your area or you do not have a good comic book shop in your area let our shop be your shop comics on the green we mentioned it earlier dave and the crew on the facebook page let you know when the new books have arrived on tuesdays and wednesdays because there's two shipping dates of course there is uh also let you know when the latest and greatest stuff is coming out final order cutoff days so you don't miss out on your favorite character your favorite creator your favorite artist their latest project and if you don't have a comic book shop in your area as mentioned and you still like getting physical books like todd and myself sign up for the mail order subscription service get stuff mailed to you weekly bi-weekly or monthly and if you do there's a chance you can get a sketch on the package from our good friend Becky, and I have her social media linked up uh, so you could check out all of her to-doings as well, her process, her commissions, her prints, and her latest obsession with old 50s romance comics letters pages. I don't think it's her latest obsession. I think it's just her latest a social media on social media obsession because she's she's been doing it a while in in, in person. Ugh. She and I, before we get into what we read uh, last week, of course, she and I got into looking at um, high end graded comics from the forties at right. the shop this past week, and we were looking at the sheer numbers. There was like some sort of or it was like the Adam number one. It was like the first appearance of the Adam, like whatever year that would have been, like late 40s, early 50s. Mm-hmm. And there's like three graded 9.8s out there of that. Oh. I know. And the two of us are just like, why? Why does this book exist? And why are there so many that are graded so high, you know? Mm-hmm. But it was like she's like, yeah, I just saw this guy's account, and he had like a Millie the model that I wanted. So I looked at the rest of the stuff that he had, and it was like one random Millie the model, and all these super high end like nine point fours and up of like fifties comics that are like rare shots, you know? Right, right. <laughs> and um, is it that Go Collect that site that you use for the covers? I don't I want to give. What's the site that you use to see like what the variant covers are and stuff? I do believe it is Go Collect. I'd have yeah. to look on my phone real quick, but yes. Yeah, so I guess Go Go Collect has a much better and more streamlined um tracking of the number of like CG CGC books out there. Right. Um yeah, it is Go Collect slash comic list on their site. Yeah, yeah. Uh so that's all the, the news and plugs and so forths. Um, and, uh, just as a side note, this will all make sense when you listen to After Dark, uh, Jerry says hi, 
and he still bowls on Thursdays, just at a different lane than we do. Oh, too yeah. bad. So let's get into what we read from this past week, Todd. Where would you like to start? I'm going to start with the book uh, I think the both of us were looking to, forward to most, um, which is Immortal Thor, number one, written by Al Ewing and art by, Mar- by Martin Cocolo. I'm going to guess I nailed that. But uh, this is, uh, like, starts out with, uh, you know, getting information from this mysterious character about the the realms and, and, you know, the information about them. Obviously, Asgard's one of them, Earth's one of them, that kind of stuff. And then, you know, we're on Asgard, and it's the uh, Frost Giants coming to fight. And, you know, there's all the characters we we know and love, like the Warriors 4. And um, then Thor comes down, and I will say... Um, it's been a while since I've seen a happy-go-lucky Thor smiling, um, and seeing him smiling with the beautiful art in the classic Thor costume. I'm a sucker for the classic Thor look, you know. And Thor, you know, is having fun talking to people, but in the end, he's got to lay down some law. And I do like that that he's not, you know, above, you know, a whooping, and he takes care of some business. And then, you know, like lo- some other characters show up, like Loki, and Loki's doing. You know, fixing some stuff that has happened in the past, you know, storylines and everything like that with the new most greatest relic in the Marvel Universe, uh, the Wand of Whatever. Uh, I hope that's very powerful, Joe. Um, And then we end up like seeing like Thor, like he's a man of two worlds and he goes down and he's amongst the people. And this is my favorite part of the book where he's like playing chess with people and and, and going on and saying, you know, he doesn't want to be a god to them. He wants to be their friend. And I'm like, oh, this is all really cool. And then like the villain of the, the book shows up and gives him a run for his money with storm powers. But maybe he's not the villain of the book because there's some stuff at the end um i will say i loved all this it looked beautiful the one thing that like it's a stupid stupid nitpick is there's a bit where the villain um is is doing a thing and they end up doing a super close-up on his face as he's yelling at thor and it's really cool and it takes me back but it's the same exact trick he used in immortal hulk number one and I remember it vividly because I was like, this is such a cool shot and it's going to stay with me forever. And then seeing it again, I guess copy an A, get an A. But I was like, oh, okay. You know, so it was it was kind of weird. But all around, I, <clears throat> some interesting stuff here. And I really enjoyed this first issue of uh, Immortal uh, Thor. I liked it a lot as well. But I do have a few just, and again, you say nitpicks about that shot with the villain. Um, so I kind of gave up on Thor when Donny Cates stopped writing it, and I forget the writer who took over. So there was a lot, like, I haven't read Thor in a little bit. So there was some places and pieces where characters were that I'm like, oh, okay, I'm not really sure why they're there, but I'm sure we'll get to it, you know? Mm -hmm. Whereas I think if I had been continuously reading Thor, it would have made a little bit more sense. Right. Um, that's really my only nitpick. I did, you know, hitting on a lot of the stuff that Todd mentioned, of course, you know, Thor in the classic costume, like the 60s Kirby costume with the, the dots and the, the whole thing. It's such an iconic look. And they've gotten so far away from that over the last however many years to to whether make Thor look like the movie Thor or just to take a different spin on Thor. I really liked this. I like the the stuff of him being the all-father 
in Valhalla, Asgard, what have you, or in Asgard, but, you know, the, the just juxtaposition of what his place is on Earth mm-hmm. and what people see him as in both places and what he wants to be in both places. But then there's the little things, like Todd mentioned the wand of whatever. Uh, there's the bit in the in the beginning of the book where he and the Warriors 4 take on the Frost Giants, mm-hmm. and Thor is doing his big boisterous whatever. Right. And I want to give this away. It's not so much as a spoiler. Like, if it's a spoiler, it's a spoiler, whatever. But it's in the beginning of the book. Um... So uh, there's the frost giants there, and Thor's cutting the he's he's cutting the promo on them, you know, and how disappointed he is, and how dare they do this, and everything else like that. And the one is like, "Oh, how dare you talk to us like that?" And Thor's like, "I wasn't talking to you. I was talking to the sky. <laughs> Why would the sky agree to whatever you're telling them to do? The sky should know better. You guys are dummies, right?" Right. And I'm like, right. "Oh, that was so good," you know. Like, and obviously Thor does it in his much more flowery thighs and those language, you know. Yeah. Um, but that was a lot of fun. And, like, it's good to see a little fun in the book. And knowing that it's an Al Ewing book, you know things are going to get heavy and deep and deconstructed. Yeah. I will say this on the not knowing stuff, because you dropped the book when Donnie Cates left. The only really thing that I can see in here that hasn't been in any of the runs that we read is the putting the hammer back together. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Everything else, like the the rainbow bridge being destroyed, like that was in a run that we read, you know? So it's kind of, of I, I just think maybe it's some new stuff that's throwing you off. <clears throat> like well, the, I, I, I think what it is is because I stopped the Donnie Cates run and I haven't read it, like that stuff's not fresh in my head. Fair enough, but yeah. I'm just of the mind that it's like, okay, I think the questions you have, too, are the things that even though I read the book, I'm like, oh, all this is new. You know what I mean? And we're not supposed to know yet, if that makes any sense. But all yeah. in all, I get what you're saying. Uh, so the other book that we read from this past week was Night Terrors Number 4, written by Joshua Williamson, uh, with art by Giuseppe Camoncoli. And we had speculated last week when we said, like, eh, is this is the book we're most looking forward to. Are we not looking forward to it the most? Um, it's because there's that one extra book of the Night's End that's coming out, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm glad we said that because this was definitely a six-issue miniseries disguised as a four-issue miniseries with an Alpha and Omega. Pretty much. <laughs> and we fell for it like the dopes that we are, you know? Well, I pre-ordered the Alpha and the Omega, so I, you know... Yeah, you know, like, I knew that, but I think if you're not in the know, I think if you just picked up the 4-issue miniseries, mm-hmm. like, you might have missed the beginning thing, and they do tell you at the end of this, it's like, oh, don't forget to pick up Night's End in store next week, right? Right. Um, But if, as a 4-issue miniseries, this is not satisfying. No, it is not, as a 4-issue miniseries. It's I'll good. i you know, you know. You know, we we find out what, like, they had been kind of teasing us and leading us along. Um, We still don't know who Insomnia is. Like, he's just a guy, right? Right. Um, But we find out what his secret origin is, like, why he's doing the thing that he's doing. Right. Maybe maybe it works. Maybe it ends up working, right? Right. Um, Because everyone, you know, the, the and again, I'm treading lightly here, but you know, everybody wakes up for the most part by the end of the issue. Um, but we still have uh, one more issue to kind of 
resolve because like other big stuff happens at the end of this issue as well. Yep. I will say this though, as you're talking about insomnia, cause I'm not going to give it all away. Yeah. Cause there's still like the big but, finale, but his origin I feel is a fake out. Yeah. Cause it makes some people look bad, like real bad. And I think it's the way he's remembering it or dreaming it. Um, where, cause he's blaming people and I'm like, I don't see like, you know, <sighs> Whatever. I just look at it as I think some people are going to be, you know, uh, redeemed, even though we don't see it happen in the book. Yeah. So I I think I can kind of get into this without being too spoilery. And of course, I'm going to bring up wrestling before you do. Um, But they say that in wrestling, the best heels are the ones that can cut the promo and like like even when they're talking about their evil deeds say it in a way that sounds like they're the victim or they're the good guy in all of it you know right right so insomnia definitely believes that he was wronged mm-hmm. and the way that he's telling the story it, it feels as though he's leaving out key parts of the story yes that's the best way to put it yeah and, and i get that whole mentality because you know that thing that you like stole it from people like dr doom and stuff like that he's the one who you know he was wrong he was wronged by that infernal richard you know what i mean and all that. I, like it's classic villain 101 you know but i i have a feeling that we're gonna get some sort of resolution when everything is said and done and listen i i don't know i'm just speculating but for them joshua williamson writer to drop this bit in here in the way that insomnia remembers these events happening. Right. I don't know if like insomnia is going to do something where he's going to change reality to make like his version of those events be the truth or make a majority of the people remember his version. Does that make sense? Yes. I think what's going to happen is somebody's going to show up and show him the truth. Like, you're remembering it this way, mm-hmm. and this is what happened, you know? Right, but I think he's going to see that, and then he's going to make everybody else remember the wrong version. Okay, we'll we'll see. Does that, like, am I making sense? Cause, like, no, that, yeah, I'm getting you. He's going he's gonna to mind wipe everybody and put it that way. Like, even though that's not what he's going to do, you know? Yeah, he's like, like, I, I just have a weird feeling. I'm going to make my... Uh, uh, like crazy wrong story, the right story. I'm going to yeah, rewrite yeah. the story that's going to be what I think. And I get you. And, you know, obviously my big two concerns with this is wither Wesley Dodds and wither Deathman, Deadman when all is said and done. Right. I wouldn't worry too much about Wesley Dodds. Okay. Because I think he's got a book coming up, and I think that's going to lead into other stuff. Mm-hmm. Because the Lazarus rain and the Lazarus juice and everything, I think, is an excuse to bring people from the past to the present. But uh, uh, Dead Man, I might be a little worried about. Like, some of the stuff, the, like the foreshadowing that he kind of yeah. like, lays out in this book, I'm like, oh, I, I, I don't like it. But I think Wesley Dodds is going to be okay. Right, and that's, you know, I, I'd like for them both to be okay, but if I had to choose one to be okay, I'd want it to be Wesley Dodds. I have the longer attachment to him, but I I really liked Night Terrors as a Dead Man story. I really, like, I like Dead Man, but I like Dead Man in, like, doses, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like, he's not, he's not somebody who can... How, because he can't really do anything. He, he, he can't be... 
and he's not like the Punisher because the Punisher and Dead Men are completely different. But to me, they're better as supporting characters than they are their own main book, if that makes any sense. For sure. So we shall see uh, how all of this ends, because, of course, uh, if you head over to longboxheroes.com every Tuesday around noon Eastern time, we put up the poll post, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week. Whether you get your books in print, whether you get them digitally, whether you get them sent to your home, however it is, you get your books before worn, before arm, know what's coming out this week. Todd and I attempt to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week. I am currently the lead over Todd with four correct guesses. Mm-hmm. And Todd, of course, this week has a slender read of a list. Yep, like the news section, but go ahead. And I'm going to take a shot in the dark just because we were talking about it. I'm going to say the book that you are most looking forward to coming out this week is Night Terrors, Night's End, number one. It is not. Yeah. It is the North's Illustrated Swimsuit Edition. As I was, you know, got to look through some preview. There's a story in there. So mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to that. I mean, I guess it's going to be mostly pinups, but I'm hoping there's a decent story. I haven't flipped through it yet. You know what I mean? Gotcha. That being said, is it Night Terrors, uh, Night End, number one for you? It is. Um, it would have, could have, should have been uh, North's Illustrated Swimsuit Special, whatever. Right. But again, I know there's a new eight pager in there about the penguin or something. But right. the fact that this is mostly clips, it's mostly pinups, it's mostly covers for other things. And I'm like, am I really looking forward to this? I guess. But I really want to see how Night's End really, really ends. Right. Don't <laughs> are you Night, Night, pump, terrors. Night Terrors? Aren't you pumped to see what centerfold you're gonna get, Joe? Mm, and I, I have it on good authority. You can check every centerfold. So. Okay, good, good. So there's no, like, it's bagged or whatever. Right, because we were speculating on that as well. Or, or even if the, you know how, like, when they fold the centerfold, then sometimes they'll do the perforation, so you have to rip it to see what yeah. the thing is. No, they're just straight up, you know, like old-timey magazines. You just turn it, and the picture falls out. Gotcha. Uh, so while you're over at longboxheroes.com, of course, uh, be sure to check out all the other stuff that we're up to, whether it be past episodes of this show, past episodes of Longbox Heroes After Dark, but also we have the current ongoing Todd and Joe Have Issues as we are rereading through all of Neil Gaiman's Sandman, and it's not just the 75 issues of the main series. It's the miniseries, it's the one-shots, it's the short stories, it's the stuff printed on the side of statue boxes. <laughs> We're doing it all, man. Yep. And uh, this week, uh, we are going to be discussing issues 63 and 64, and as I say, this is always the part of the show where I get to just chime in while Todd gets to do the le- heavy lifting for a bit. Yep. Um, issue 63, written by Neil Gaiman, as always. I'm never going to get tired of saying that. Uh, art by Mark Hempel once again. Um, it starts out with someone in a cab, and we end up finding out that it is uh, Thessaly from, you know, the uh, Game of You storyline, and she's on the hunt for Lyda, and she ends up finding a bunch of, you know, uh, homeless people who have run into her, some the worse for wear, because they were stupid enough to put their hand on her, Um, and she ends up saying, like, come with me, Um, and, you know, Lyda's got that, you know, she's kind of deranged in another place here or there, Um, and she sees her as a little bird, but says, I'm going to follow you, um, so I do like that. And the, the bums think it's, uh, 
what do you call it, like government op that they're doing stuff. Um, so we cut. And through- I just want to say, as the uh, bums are speculating on what's going on, uh, is it an alien? Is it a robot? Is it the government? Um, and the one bum says to the other, you believe any of the stuff that's coming out of your mouth? And the other <laughs> one says, hell no. Right. So uh, we cut to the dreaming and uh, Odin shows up to talk to Morpheus and he gets the bit where he talks to the, the, the gatekeepers, the three gatekeepers. Uh, he's like, I don't want to go in. I just want him to come out. So he ends up coming out and he's like, I'm here. And he's like, you know, my son, Loki, we, you know, we kind of trapped him under earth with the poison acid dripping in his face. So he can't think and lie his way out and trap him. Because he's a dangerous man. But you know what? I found out he was free and there was some dream essence that was there in his place. Uh, was, was this your doing? And he's like, yeah, it was. And he gives the basic rundown from season of mist where he's like, he had tricked somebody else and I couldn't leave him there. Um, and he's like, what was this to be, you know, you got a favor from him. And he's like, something like that. And he's like, Odin's like, you, you, no good is going to come from any deal you made with him. Cause he's literally the trickster. Um, and I kind of feel sorry for you. And I'm hearing all these strange rumors, he says, from my my ravens. They say that, like, the, 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 the host raven is coming to the dreaming, so something's kind of up. And I do like this line where he says, I hear rumors too, Odin One-Eye, but only a fool listens to rumors. And Odin sends back, says back, only a fool ignores them. And then this is kind of interesting to me. He's, he's like, you, you know, you puzzle me. Are you a spider who spun a web of cunning and deceit and now waits patiently for his prey to come to him? Or are you a, de- are you a deer frozen by the light of a hunter's flame as disaster comes towards you? Sometimes I wonder if it's a little bit of both, Joe, right? Um, so uh, he's kind of talking to him. And he's like, you disappoint me. Um, but. If I was going to go after everybody, if I was going to do a blood feud with everybody who's been fooled by Loki, I'd have to start by killing myself. And like I said, he says, you're a disappointment. And he and he leaves. Uh, Cut to delirium. Oh, I just want to interject there. So when Odin shows up and Morpheus greets him. um, In that like a third of a page shot of morpheus there and he's got a lot more fire and purples and and uh, uh yellows in his stuff than he typically does right that's like i love that morpheus that is a good looking morpheus yeah yeah is there a bad looking morpheus so far joe there was that one last week when we talked about it where he looked like he was cut ripped chiseled and jacked but other than that <laughs> right um, so in uh, Destiny's Garden, uh, Delirium is basically cutting along and short of it. She's lost her doggy, um, but uh, she runs through all the things that, that kind of happen. And then at the end, where it always reminds me that I'm touched by Delirium the most from all the endless, she's like, uh, and I came to see you, and the last time I saw you, I, I was kind of mad at you, but I figured that if I didn't mention it, you'd probably forget all about it. I'm like, that's kind of the way I think. Dear God. Um, so he says he's cool with it. Um, but she's like, should I go off 
and, 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 you know, find him. And he's like, Oh, you've, you know, you come to me for advice, but if you go find your dog, you're going to find it, but you're going to find other things too. And then she notices the statues, the, 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 the endless. And obviously I like that destruction's got his back to everybody. She's like, like, look at Morpheus. He's so sad. Do you think if I go to him, you know, may sing a little song and be happy. And in a little bit that I like uh, a lot is Morpheus says two things at the same time. He basically says, Kind of like let him deal with himself, but at the same time say, you know, it, it couldn't hurt him and it might actually help. And she loves the fact that she can only say one thing at any given time. Um, so she's going to go off and think she's going to go find Morpheus there, Joe. Right. So that's a great bit with Destiny that he gives Delirium of all people the rare choice. Because so, well, much, so, right so much of Destiny is what's written in the book. Right, but also he can't in his, I look at it in his mind, he can't tell her this is what you do. I know what you're going to do because everything is in my book, but here's your options. But I know which one you're going to pick. Yeah. Because he could have just said the one, you know what I mean? Cuz he knows where it goes, but that's the way like uh destiny kind of works in my mind. Um, and uh, uh, and I'm going to make um I'm going to make a strong statement here, hot take maybe, if you will. Okay. Of all the Endless, I like Mark Hempel's version of Delirium the least. I kind of like that one last panel before she turns into a leaf. No. But otherwise, you know, uh, I, I to me it's always going to be Jill Thompson. Yeah. For Delirium for me. Yeah. Um. So we cut back to Thessaly with uh, with uh, Lyda, and she's basically doing a protective spell. She's like, I kind of know what's going to happen here. we got to keep you safe. Um, so she get like all this goo that she concocts. And then she actually got a uh, like a black uh, sheep <laughs> lamb that she needs. And do you know how hard one of those is to get in West Hollywood, Joe? Mm-hmm. Uh, she had to get it from an ex uh, pet shop. But I do like the fact that when she sacrifices it, she's like, let this be a lesson to you, if you can hear me. Nothing is harmless because this, you know, has power. And she does her incantations. And then I like that she's like, do I want to sleep in the bathtub or do I want to wash off all this blood? Which takes me back to them leaving the the, the dead guy in uh, Game of You in the bathtub. So, yes. Always a lot of blood in her bathtub. So uh, I want to just throw this in here right now. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to, I don't want to spoilery stuff, okay? No, I gotcha. It was not until, it was one of those things where I, I'm, as I'm reading the kindly ones, you know, like, it's this big story, it's the story, it's the first story that I read in Sandman chronologically, and then I went back and I reread everything, and then read this multiple times, and I said, this is probably the one that I read the most times. Um, Thessaly, um... Hmm. Thessaly's been around a lot lately. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe like the previous storyline, but we just haven't seen her. Okay. Am I am I remembering that correctly? You, are you picking up what I'm putting down? I'm putting down what you're putting down, but uh, yeah, maybe some of that comes up later. Okay, okay. Because it was one of those things where like when it was going on in the book, I forgot who it was. And then it was reading this. As soon as she appeared, I'm like, oh, that's why she's here. Okay. All right. I got it. I'm back on board. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So uh, now that she's uh, light is in the ring of protection, she's still in her delusion state. She's like climbing a mountain, following this white bird. And in a reflection again, she sees all the possible, like the young version of herself, the superhero version of herself. And they're all telling her, you know, that you don't have to go through with any of this. You can just walk out the door. There's always a choice. And Lyda is saying, no, there's, you know, sometimes there just aren't any choices at all. And it's the this is the first because I've read Sandman a long time, Joe, and I've read it over and over. This is the first time it's occurring to me that she's in having no choice at all, that she's like, yes, there are choices, but I can only do one thing. She's reminding me of another character, the yin to the yang. You know what I mean? Just so. So and this hit me for the first time. Um, but at this point, she ends up uh, running into the. The, the, the Furies, she ends up uh, finding them. Um, we'll get back to oh, that. I, so I just, I just want to say, so when Lyda is seeing the different versions of herself in the mirror, mm-hmm. um, obviously it's just the drawing of this. And I wonder if it's intentional or not that the young little kid version of Lyda looks so much like the, co- the cuckoo. That does kind of remind me of it, but I just think it's unintentional, to tell you the truth. Right. I just okay. think that's like a... Uh, a trope for a young girl look, you know what I mean? Yes. But, uh, uh, so, uh, dream, this is, this is all kind of going on at the, uh, same time. Um, dream goes to see, uh, the Fiddler's Green and Fiddler's Green is like, uh, you know, I thought I'd see you eventually. He's like perceptive and he's like, yeah, like, you don't have to be like that. And he's like, oh, you're the uh, next person to just, uh, say I've disappointed them kind of a deal. And he's like, do you really think that? He's like, listen, he's like, something's going on, you know, even in this wonderful place that I was always happy, Fiddler's Green, the skies are a little gray. We're kind of not getting sun and something's going on. Um, uh, And it's been this way ever kind of growing ever since your son's death. And he's like, well, we're done with this conversation. I'm attending to my responsibilities. He's like, I too have responsibilities. He's like, for the people in my garden, I have to, you know, look out for them. And he's like, and when it got too much for me, I walked away. You know, I walked away um, into the waking world. And Sandman's like, yeah, you did. And I let you come back unpunished, you know, even though, you, you know, that you did. And he's like, I don't think we're on the same page, Morpheus. And he's like, I have my responsibilities. Starting, that's coming up a lot. Um, so while all this is going on, like ravens from everywhere are, are disappearing, like in magical lands, um, even on the hunt for, uh, Daniel, uh, Matthew and the Corinthian are going and they're like, oh, we have these clues. And I, I kind of think I know where we need to go. And Matthew's like, I'm feeling this pull, this pull to go somewhere. He's like, if you go, I'm going to wring your neck. You know, from the, the river, the blood river of the dead, like the ravens are rising. And Rose Walker in England, she's watching TV and, you know, doing some other stuff. She's not paying attention. The famous ravens from, uh, I forget what it is. Uh, it just uh, says Tower of London Ravens. Tower, yes, because that's yeah. a famous thing that they're leaving. Um, and, you know, maybe Great Britain is about to fall because that's the rumor. And um, I, I just want to throw in there. Uh, that it says that the Ravens have left the Tower of London. And they're like, the Ravens' wings have specifically been clipped to prevent them from flying away. Yeah. So it is assumed that they have been stolen. 
Yep, so everything's going to be A-OK. Just so you know, in Doctor Who, Joe, the Ravens were replaced with robots by uh, by uh, uh, the group uh, so that people wouldn't get scared. I always found that funny. Um, but uh, so cut back to, as this is this is all going on at the same time, uh, Light is with the, the, the Furies, and she's like, I'm here to see the Furies. Uh, that's not a good a good phrase like we're we're more kindly kind of a deal um and the whole time they're making this like thing of scorpions connected and uh she's they kind of give her as an overarching thread they give her her uh fortune cookie and she reads it and then she goes they go um i, I want what are you here for she's like there's a man i want you to destroy him and they're like, oh, I want to do more than bother him. I kind of want to destroy him. She's like, we don't, we need a good reason. She's like, uh, what is it? He's like, he killed my son. He stole my son. Is that enough reason? He's like, no, that's not enough. There are rules, you know, the oldest rules. Um, it, there's blood debt. She's like, he was my blood. Yeah, not your blood, not his. We need, we need to have hit, have killed his own son. If he killed his own son, it would be different. My goosebumps are starting to grow, Joe. And she's like, I see. I'm sorry I've wasted your time. Honey, come back. He did kill his own son. We're like, basically, we are on board, Joe. Oh, oh my God. Like I said, the endings to these kindly ones keep getting like worse and worse. And uh, I think we've been on a, a strange trajectory since Brief Lives, Joe. Right. And I want to mention, you know, obviously at the end of the I- issue here where they have like the chain of almost like scorpions, I guess. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, that leads into the thought of the thread, the literal thread that has been going on since the beginning of the Kindly Ones. How many of those first panels on the first page of every story or at least every other story, there's something with... Um, a meta commentary in regards to story and a thread, a line, a something. And that's from the very first issue. And whether it be the thread that they are working with, the silver thread that Daniel had, or at the beginning of this one, there's the, 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 the CB cord of the taxi driver. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, I, and if you'd mentioned it, I apologize where he says, I never thought we would get to this place. And then Thessaly uh, says, destinations are often a surprise to the destined. Yep. And again, that's the story that we're reading, but it's also the overarching story. And it's also, I think, the continuing thread that Neil is telling throughout all of this. And that's kind of his meta commentary on everything. And I like that that's still being included in these issues, you know? Yep. Um, uh, on to 65, Joe? On to 65. Uh, I'm going to say this because there's a lot of things that go on during the day. I might skip over something. If there's something you want to hit on, let me know. You I'm know doing I mean? my best to keep you on your toes and jump in when I gotta. Gotcha. Because that's one of them that I'm not going to hit every one of the things that he's handling throughout the days. But I do like in this issue, at least the issue, I don't know if they did it in the physical issues. You might have yours in front of you. In the digital issue, they have like a two-page, uh, a, a full-page write-up of what's come since in the Kindly Ones, which yes. is a rarity in Sandman for me. But such, because it's such a big story, it is a good idea. You know what I mean? I don't know if it's in the collected version. Do you Probably know? not because you're reading the whole collection, but it might be for the sake of, say, you know, having it. I'm going to grab it right now as we're talking. Okay. Um. Um. But yeah, so it's. I think because we're just past the midpoint of the story, mm-hmm. they wanted to give everyone a bit of a recap, if you will. Right. 
Um, but that page, this recap is not in the collection. Right, which I didn't think it would be kind of because you're reading it. They're expecting you to read it all in one sitting. You know what I mean? Cool. Not one sitting, but like as a go. Um, so each of these uh, like things happen on a day of the week. And I do like the way they do the stuff in there because they say on the, you know, the first day on moon day, which obviously is Monday. And like, he has his things that he's doing. Um, and the one that pops out on moon day for me is he's been asked to send a dream to a teenage girl in South Africa. Um, and if he gives her the dream, she'll grow up to take charge of the country and unite the dividing factions without it. She'll become a nurse. And like the, the God, the tribal gods are trying to sway him. And I like that he doesn't give his answer. He's just like, I told them what I was going to do, and there was no no argument, no appeal. Um, and the other one I do like is that he gave a dream of a tortoise who missed its lover for 200 years since it was eaten, um, uh, you know, 200 years ago. I thought that was cool. Um, and then on Tuesday, which is Tuesday, I like that he has the old, uh, the new nightmares that he created. We when he got rid of Corinthian with the open faces, such a creepy look. Um, and on a Tuesday, he's also, you know, going around and we see that this happened. Uh, Odin showed up during this week. Um, and he's walking, he's, you know, walking through his realms. And the one that I like is, uh, in his throne rooms, uh, that he keep that he keeps behind, uh, certain items behind the, the, colored glass the raw untamed stuff to the dreaming um i always like the look of the throne room with no walls but stained glass but somehow there's something behind them just a freaky concept to my mind um on thirst day uh the king walked in the waking world briefly and i like that he saw a singer and i like to think that's foxglove because she's talking about a song in a dream she had and that goes back to the high cost of living she was writing songs about her dream there's no confirmation on this but i always feel that it's a foxglove um he goes to central park to feed the pigeons which i think is a cool throwback um and he did to the first death issue yes 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 um, and he was cool about it until it said, do not feed the pigeons. Um, and the thought that he visited his properties in the waking world, I never thought that uh, Sandman would have waking pro- uh, have properties in the waking world. So that's an, kind of- an interesting concept. And I do also want to throw in there that uh, he also went to an open air performance of Midsummer's Night Dream. Um, he says he was mildly disappointed by the translation. Uh, quote, he was, however, extraordinarily amused by the performance of the actor playing the part of Bottom, and the drawing of the picture that they have of Morpheus extraordinarily amused um, would be very surprising to you. Yes. Uh, may not actually be amused. <laughs> <laughs> but again, the, the fact that that's his extraordinarily amused face is something else. Right. Um, so we get to Fires Day, Joe, and so Delirium shows up and says that she's lost her doggy, um, that I, that I got from our brother. And he's like, uh, have you forgotten? He's like, no, I, I haven't forgotten him. He's like, well, I spoke to our brother, um, and I saw that statue of you that looks all sad in the garden. He's like, you saw destruction? She's like, what? He's like, you said you saw her brother kind of a deal. And he's like, no, no, the other one, Destiny. And sometimes I feel like these are my conversations with you, Joe, mm. where I'm delirium. <laughs> like, no, no, it's this. This is so, once again, very touched uh, 
by delirium. And he, he ends up, she asks him, like, can you come look with me? And he's like, cannot leave the dreaming at this time. I have my responsibilities. She's like, do you understand that word? Like that you, when you hear it in your head, he gives the, the definition of it. And she gives her version of, you know, like really weird deliriums take on it. Uh, and he's just like delirium. He's like, oh, I just, I just don't know where my dog is. And in the end, he kind of just creates a nightmare or he conscripts one or whatever. And he sends them on their way, uh, to do it. Um, and he's like, oh, you know, just back to his responsibilities, if you will. And I will um, say delirium's look here in this issue by Mark Hempel is a little less harsh than it was in the previous issue. I wonder if he got notes to make delirium look more like Jill Thompson's delirium between the two issues. I'm going to go with, he is under the mandate. And I think it's kind of, What's the word I'm looking at? Like that Neil Gaiman kind of laid down. I'm not going to say laid down the law, but his take on delirium is she looks different each time you see her. That, and that's been the established, you know, if she goes away and comes back, she looks different. That's all the way, like even in uh, uh, what was brief lives and stuff like that. So that's my take on it. Um, but we get Rose on the same Friday in England and she's with, uh, I forget the guy's name. Uh, uh, the guy who picked her up at the airport. Jack. Yeah, Jack was the guy. And he's the son of the, the, the last guy that she knew that died. And they end up talking. They talk about uh, uh, Paul McGuire, who was, you know, the guy who was in love with the person that trapped Morpheus's thing. And she's like, oh, he wants me to come see his mansion that, you know, blah, blah. He's like, you should really go see it. So she's like, okay. Um, and through this, she ends up talking that she's interested in them and they end up having a flame. And basically she's, I like the fact that she discusses the differences in the sensibilities between Americans and British in a fling, if you will. Um, that's kind of a, a fun take. Um, and, but he's like, I really got to go. Uh, so we see Matthew and the Corinthian in the morgue following the leads from, you know, uh, Carla's apartment. And they go in, they find Carla's uh, charred body that they have. And they're like, oh, how we, you know, this is a dead end, Matthew says. He's like, oh, well, you know, the whole thing of the myth of the last thing a person sees is, you know, etched into their eyes. He's like, let's, you know, let's do it. And, um, I like that Matthew's like, that's disgusting, or that's a lie. And he's like, oh, no, that's the truth. And he's like, you're sick. And I like that he puts the eyes in his head. And he's like, no, I'm a visionary. And he ends up seeing what happened. We get a straight-on shot uh, of Loki. But he says, I saw her die, but I also saw she was burned. Um, and I saw other things. I saw a hotel fire burning, a hotel room burning, and a city built of glass, which are all things that are passed in the book. And... Matthew asked him if they're clues, and he says, no, I think they're ripples. Um, well, we got the ripple before, did you mention, when he comes into the room and he talks about, like, I just had a reminder of, like, this dissected ape? Uh, oh, no, yeah, because that's from the destruction thing. But I think these, the, the visions are different. He's having memories pop up, because he talked about what will I remember as being old Corinthian and new Corinthian. But I think think this is a sta- and I don't know is establishing that Loki not uh 
not uh, uh, that Corinthian is seeing things that happened in the past. I don't know through Carla's eye. I don't know. It just seems weird, but I, I've gotten off track. Um, now, while this is going on, Ravens are starting to show up in mass quantities in the dreaming. And we get to the gate with the three gatekeepers while all this is going on. And somebody's coming. They're like, we're here to see your, you know, we're here to see your master. Nobody's, nobody's coming in today. She's like, Oh, we're just going to come in. And they're like, if you're, if you're not going to leave the Griffins, like, uh, if you will not leave, then you better run very, very fast. And she's like, Oh, you know, she just, they, the, this thing just snaps their fingers and starts to like talk about how you feel the grave upon you. And he's yelling that he can't feel the master. Um, and the other two are like, you killed him. And he's like, Oh, yes, we did. And we're going to rip this place apart. If we, if we don't, uh, get to talk to your master. So they talk to Morpheus and he's like, should, should we do this? And they're like, no, she's sworn an oath that she, they just want to see me and will cause no damage. Um, your friend has not died in vain. And then I love this. The Griffin says, because every time throughout these 60 some issues that someone has come to the gate, they always say, I'm, if you're going to go into the castle, I'm honor bound to warn you to stay on the path through the castle. Straying from your path could mean your destruction. You killed my friend woman. Stray from your path. That's cold, Joe. That is cold. And to have it set up after 65 issues for that line is fantastic. 64 issues, but you get what I'm saying. Yep. Um, so he's like, come in, Lytle Hall. They're like, we are not Lytle Hall, but we are you. We're here. You're 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 doomed. He's like, he's like, you hurt my gatekeeper. He's just like, no, we blasted apart. He's like, I could reform him anytime. And he won't even remember he's gone. Um, and he's like, well, we got some advice for you. And he's like, what is it? We're going to take everything you love before we smash you into the dirt kind of a deal. Um, it's like, this is my realm. You know, you're not going to hurt me here. He's like, no, um, there's nothing you can do. He's like, how fair is your, uh, your Griffin? Um, and they just kind of leave. And he's like, so he gets on the blower He's like, Matthew, you got that you got that thing that I want, you know, the thing I'm looking for. He's like, no, but we think we're we're on the right track. He's like, good, because I kind of I hope I wasn't, you know, misplaced in my confidence. I, um, I just want to just real quick throw in before we get to the f- f- wrap up on the Matthew stuff. So we don't see the kindly ones, right? We don't see mm-hmm. the three, but we see their shadow, of course, imposing a very large visage over Morpheus. And all of their uh, text balloons are in red, almost like a blood red around them. Right. Right. And in the midst of this, as they're kind of cutting their promo on Morpheus, we just get one lone balloon, not in red. And that is Lyta Hall saying, you killed my son and you're going to pay for it, right? Yeah, because she's they the kindly ones have hooked their wagon to her kind of a deal. Right. And you know, we we get the beginning thing of, you know, the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday of what Morpheus has been up to and when he peeks in with the Corinthian and Matthew, uh he says, "It has been 5 days. The boy is not here. I am extremely unimpressed." Yes. Which, again, not a great uh, message to get from the boss, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and they tell him that uh, the boy is not in the waking world, so we're kind of, you know, have to go where we go. And they get attacked uh, by a wolf, and they snap it. And he's like, eh. I do like the fact that the Corinthians, like, this is the first kill of this life, so he gets the eyes. Because there was the whole talk with Matthew and Corinthian about both eating eyes. 
Um, so it's like as Saturday concluded, we see Lucifer who's, you know, in his, uh, club playing music and he's getting tired with that. Um, we see Lyda with, uh, with Thessaly and she's t- like talking about stuff, but I do like that. She says due to her like magic stuff, she's noticed a few things and she's concerned about her visitor of the following day. So somebody's, you know, on their way. Uh, we get Nuala, um, who's like in the in ferry, and she they say that she's not happier, but she's not like miserable, but she's not content. Um, but she has no purpose. Uh, and then she says, but she fingered the stone around her neck unconsciously and recalled happiness. Happier times, Joy Joe, with that necklace. Uh cut to Rose who's looking through her journals and if I'm correct these are actually writings from her first appearance um, so I think that's kind of cool so she ends up calling Jack who she had to fling with and it doesn't go well basically him on the other side of the phone who's talking like he doesn't want to give up the ghost to whoever's in the room um, he's like it was pleasant um, but uh, I think this is a bad idea she's like you aren't alone and he says, very perceptive. And basically, she figures out that it's, there's somebody in his life. And uh, I should go. There's nothing else to say. She's like, afraid not. And then she kind of just sitting upset. And then Joe, in the ending of an issue, that is one of those that is burned into my memory. And I always remember it. And it gives me goosebumps every time we get to it. This phrase and picture. And on Sun's Day... They held the first funeral and there's Sandman with the, the, the gatekeepers and other people looking into the thing. The fact that it's on Sun's Day, which is that whole thing with Orpheus and the kindly ones. And the fact that it is the words, the first funeral, because if it's the first funeral, that implies many funerals. This sucked out my heart when I first read it, Joe. I was crushed by this. Well, a lot of this, of course, and this is the funeral for the Griffin from a few pages earlier mm-hmm. when the kindly one showed up and, yeah. you know, they kind of disintegrate him down to his bones. And as you had mentioned, Morpheus says, well, listen, I could just recreate him um, and he'll have no memory mm-hmm. um, that you ever destroyed him. Right. Right. And Morpheus says that he could do that. But, but the kindly he? one said the kindly ones more or less said like, okay, go ahead and do it. Mm-hmm. And whether Morpheus chooses not to do it or he can't do it because he can't undo what they're doing. It kind of sets the stage for like the big battle that's coming, you know? Yep. And like I said, this, this one has stuck with me. Like I've said this and on, you know, on Sunday, the first day they had the first funeral. Um, and, uh, on a side note about this, Joe, um, I think it was Brett in the Discord sent me that Kevin Smith is selling a lot of his art in his collection, mm-hmm. and this page is in that collection. Really? Yes, this page is in that collection, <laughs> and I thought about it, Joe. I thought about it. It's still going on. I don't know how long... Oh, I think the live auction, like they do an auction here and then they have a live auction on September 27th, I believe. Um, they said the estimate of the page would go somewhere between 1000 and 2000 
It's it, it only has 13 bids and it's at $1700 right now. Oh, okay. So, Just 1700? No, but if I had the money, I don't have a Sandman page. Um and I don't want to be disrespectful, but the easiest of the Sandman pages to get were the Mark Hempel because he did so many and not a lot of people are on board for the art style, but I think we're way past any Sandman page ever being affordable ever again. But if people want to get together and pitch in their pennies and buy me this page, I'll display it proudly on my wall, Joe. You'll put a little three by five post-it note or index card underneath it that says all of these people were nice enough to buy this for me and I have all of our names underneath it. Yeah, and I will send you a nicely written thank you letter. Oh. Maybe I'll even uh, do some calligraphy. Who knows? Um, but yeah, so, uh, you know, I, I, I said, and again, I, you know, we, we know her as Thessaly, of course, but in yeah, that little La- rap, go ahead. She's Larissa. Right. She's Larissa now, of course. Um, do we say it here? No. Okay. I'm going to say though, because I do think her Steven in uh game of you, she said her shoot name was Larissa at one point. But it's Thessaly, so she kind of goes by both. And when they're doing the ongoing, the the origin story now that got the you know that we kickstarted because it's gonna come out soon. It's called Thessaly, not Larissa. So I always do that name for her. Right. Her mama named her Thessaly. I'm gonna call her Thessaly. You know. Gotcha. Uh, but we got issues 65 and 66 coming up next week, man. Oh, I think that might be the soliloquy, but I'm not sure because I'm so confused because every time I read two issues for this show, I read Kindly Ones all the way to the end again. So I've read it many, many times as this goes on. This is the first time since reading all of these that I read ahead a little bit. Because usually I'm like, I'm sticking to the two stories, the two issues or whatever it is that we're reviewing for the show this week. But we're at the point in this where I'm like, I really just want to finish this now. Joe, I may have gone all the way to the wake. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, but I will. I don't know if you know this. I will read it again. Yes. And during the wake, uh, once again, there will be a small chunk you will have to take. So. <laughs> all right. Well, you just give me the Iggy when it gets close to that time frame, you know? Yep. 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 All right. So. Uh, also, hey, you want to help us out, support us. You can buy some shirts and pins and stickers. Shoot me an email. We can work that out. Ping me in the Discord, whatever. Um, if you're going to be at Steel Stack Smackdown 2 in Bethlehem in three weeks, uh, maybe I'll bring some with me if you say you're going to be there and you want them. Um, you could go and make any of your purchases through our eBay affiliate link. Uh, This page contains affiliate links for eBay. We may receive a small commission on your purchase. Uh, You may use this affiliate link anytime you want to buy anything and support the show at the same time. Doesn't have the same ring to it as the old one. I was going to say, yeah, but I don't feel it anymore. Yeah. Uh, But, of course, patreon.com slash longboxheroes. 
Go sign up for the Patreon. A dollar a month, five dollars a month is going to get you two bonus shows every month from Todd and myself. Uh, one is the movie show, TV show, what have you. Um, this year, we're looking at some of the more comic book oddity type things. Um, canceled pilots, failed pilots, uh, lesser known films, maybe more maligned films. We just came off the David E. Kelly Wonder Woman pilot, um, which is actually much more star studded than I remember it being advertised as. And this month we have upcoming the 1990 Captain America movie, which is uh, very, very maligned. And uh, you know, listen, um, we might, I might change my tune after I watch it, which does happen from time to time. But I think it's maligning is worth it. Right. And I'll say you don't remember it as advertised, the Wonder Woman thing, because I don't think it was ever advertised because it never came out. Well, I, I, I assume that as it was being like, oh, talked about and whatever, we would have said like, oh, and it's got this spectacular cast and everything, you know? Right, yeah. Uh, but of course, that's one show. The other show is Previewing the Past, where we look at 30 years ago this month's previews catalog. Uh, I think we are stocked up all the way to the end of 1995, so we're good for at least another two years. Maybe uh, picking up a couple 96s here and there. Oh, as not uh, start. Time permits. Every time I put the seed in my own head about these sort of things, I that's like my reminder. I'm like, oh, I better go check to see if any of those 96s are floating around, you know? You, you know what? Because if you got any 96, you could start scanning them and work backwards. And well, we I can could. meet in the middle. I could. Not gonna, but I could. Right, right. Um, and of course, uh, that you know that that price tag, that patronage, also gets you those full scans, as Todd mentioned, of those previews catalogs. We've got all of those up to nineteen, all the way back to nineteen ninety. So, listen, the the podcasts, you know, you don't have time for them. The previewing the past do get a little long. Um, you know, the last couple of months they've been averaged about three and a half hours each, but they're giant previews catalogs. And this is both Todd and I's wheelhouses of when we were both getting into comic books. And, you know, even if, like I said, you don't get a chance to listen to those, uh, definitely just go back and look through those previews catalogs. Look at a cover and say, I remember that being on the shelves. I remember reading that and flip through that previews catalog and just have those memories wash all over you, you know? Yep. Yep. Uh, the $5 level gets you the uh, bonus shows two weeks before everyone else. And it also gets you um, the After Dark two days before everyone else. So you can listen to these in the correct listening order. Mm-hmm. Um, I think those are the ways to support us, patronage us. Uh, no art attacks this week, right? Nope. All right. So we do have uh, two episodes of Ahsoka to talk yep. about this week. Ahsoka. Yep, I finally learned how to say it since she has her own show. Mm-hmm. I was doing the bit where it was Oshkosh by gosh, but yes. people weren't taking that seriously. So I learned how to say it to Ahsoka. And I was saying it like Asuka, the uh, the uh, World Wrestling Entertainment wrestler. Right. Raiders. Though, noted Raiders fan. No, uh, noted video game person as well. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, Todd, I, was this on mic or off mic that Todd was like, I could review this in like three notes or five notes or whatever it is. <laughs> right. The joke that, that it's like a game for us sometimes. Now I, but, I will add. Okay. So let me just say this. Okay. Um, I like these two episodes. I'll say this. I like the second episode better. Right. And I was going to say, I like the second episode a lot better. Um, um, because there was something I hated in the first episode. Okay. Well, before you get to what you hated in the first episode, I want to say, um, I never watched the Clone Wars cartoon. 
I've never watched anything of a prequel that wasn't one of the three movies. Yeah, so I wonder if you were a fan and you watched that Clone Wars show, that a lot of that exposition that they were setting up in episode one was kind of unnecessary. You know, because we're introduced to a lot of new people. We're introduced to a lot of new concepts. We're introduced to a lot of new ideas and new relationships. And that's definitely for the people like us. And I'm like, okay, we get it. And then we get to episode two where the action happens. And I'm like, all right, let's go. Action. I want action, you know? Right. That's why they dropped the two episodes. I guarantee you that. Yeah. You know, but I'm with you. I do feel because I do know a little bit about it because like some of the characters that they talk about that were whisked away, obviously, spoiler alert, uh, Thrawn, you know what I mean, is involved. But the character that's missing on the rebel side, like because I'm such a Thrawn fan, Star Wars people have told me what it is. So I kind of recognized some of that. And I feel uh, even with the information that they give you, the overwhelming information that you don't need, if you probably watch those, I feel like I still feel like I'm missing something as I watch these episodes. I don't know. I don't feel like I'm filled in. I feel like I had to have watched the, the, the cartoons and stuff. I don't know. It's just in my head. Maybe I think they do a good enough job of getting over the main relationships on the babyface side. Oh, on the relationships, yes. But there's a lot of, like, dreams and flashback stuff and voiceovers that's supposed to be taking place in the past that I don't understand any of it. I'm okay with that. I'm sure we'll get payoffs for that, or or I'm sure that that's just, like, bonus material for the people that watch the cartoon, right? Right. So what was the thing that you didn't like about uh, episode one? Um, what was the name? Uh, is there Sabine Wren is the main is one of the main characters? Yes, who I think is the face of a, uh, of the show. Todd, yes, the face, the face. Um, and they do a lot of great uh, director directing angles on her. Um, but when she takes the map, I was of I was like Carl, don't take the map. You know what I mean? Like, and then Carl from The Walking Dead takes the map and then everything falls apart. I would, I almost rage quit the show at that point because it was like, this show should have been over in the first 30 seconds. Like, oh, we have the map. Now we go and we, we, we fight this. She's like, don't take the map. Okay. But I, I think better alone. Yeah, that's great. But you're looking for your boyfriend. I guess, or friend. I'm not sure what it is because there's kind of a thing going on with her, with uh, uh, with uh, the main character. And it's like, oh, well, she takes because she really wants to find this person, I guess. But it was just so stupid. It's like the most important thing in the galaxy and the fact that the last movie, uh, The Rise of Skywalker, was all about finding a map and going somewhere. I'm like, this whole like thing just fell flat for me. I hate characters who do blatantly stupid things then blatantly terrible things happen afterwards well i i'm with you i get why you did not like it however Mm -hmm. i feel as though that was your macguffin to get uh sabine uh the actress's name by the way natasha bordizo right that's all i want to mention that Right, she's um, a Mandalorian too. Right. So it's like she's got like she's she's got like seven gimmicks going on, right? 
She's a loner. She's a Mandalorian. She's got, like, Jedi abilities. She's also a tinkerer, right? You know, she's got, like, all these, like, whatevers. Apparently was a Padawan. Right, okay. uh, Right, at one point. So the thing with her getting the map and losing the map is there, if that doesn't happen in episode one, she doesn't make the decision in episode two to be like, okay, the way I'm doing things is wrong, rebelling, not listening, everything else like that. Maybe I do need to go back to be a Padawan, go back with Ahsoka, and fix these things. And maybe if I didn't give that up, we wouldn't be in the mess that we're in right now. Mm-hmm. But I get why you didn't like it, but I'm 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 a little bit more forgiving in that regard there. Mm-hmm. I am less forgiving in the fact that with the battle with the Sith people, right. um, Sabine just gets, like, run through with a lightsaber. Right. And then I've seen people, lots of people get run through with a lightsaber in Star Wars movies, Todd. And they Star don't Wars survive. TV shows. And that usually means they're dead. Well, they didn't hit anything important. I'm with you. I didn't like that either. And especially when, and I don't think they're Sith because I think we're going to be away from the Sith. They're just evil Jedi. And I don't, I mean, that's a distinction. What? But I'm going to get into the Jedi a little bit later. I was going to say, what do you call an evil Jedi, Todd? Somebody who's a dark Jedi. Because I think this, because they can't, and I know this is me pushing up my glasses and going, well, actually, they can't be Sith because there's three of them. I and that and that, so then when the third guy shows up, I'm like, okay, maybe they're not Sith, right? They're just gray Jedi, whatever. Because I think uh, Ahsoka is also a gray Jedi because she never finished my thing, uh, finished the the schooling apparently. But I'm with you because that person who's ran her through, it's like when you do that, you cut their head off. Because as we found out in this Disney Plus era of Star Wars, anybody can survive anything unless you take their head off. You know, so I was kind of like, oh, you got to go back and kill her. Um, That being said, I'm also not a Jedi guy. Uh, I'm the human guy, the smuggler guy, the whatever. I never liked the Jedi. I always thought they were boring totally boring and i'm in this i'm kind of like ah i just don't feel it until the lightsaber battles then i kind of kind of come around but i'm not a jedi guy and so and again correct me if i'm wrong okay right so again it was weird to have two major characters one of the light side one of the dark side as tall imposing white guys with beards Okay, so because you have the governor who's played by the the legendary Clancy Brown, right? Fantastic actor, and then uh, Balin, um, and again Balin Skull. If you're like one person listening to this, the fact that Balin is someone's name and Skull is the the last name again, the fact that those two things are together. But anyway, um, played by Ray Stevenson, and Ray Stevenson passed away earlier this year, right? I. Didn't like, even cross I'm, my mind. I'm watching it, and I'm like, I know this guy. And I'm watching it, I'm watching it, and he played, I think, if I'm not mistaken, he played um, Punisher in the good Punisher movie, Punisher Warzone. Okay. So that's why I was like, he's kind of like so deep into this role. And then I'm like, why? I'm like, did he do something bad that he's in the news that like he's f- like – so in the forefront of my mind and like he passed away three months ago. 
Right. I'm I'm with you. And just real quick on Clancy Brown, it's kind of tough because he'll always be the Kurgan for me from Highlander. He'll always be Lex Luthor for me. Right. The voice, right? Yeah. When I hear his voice, I hear Lex Luthor's voice. I'm with you. That's my my second go to. But man, just, you know, can I'm candy. Of course you are. (laughs) I love that scene. But we're all over the place because it's two episodes. There's a lot going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I, I think once we get to the second episode and like the, the the players are introduced, the game is afoot. And the game afoot is we got to find this map because the map is going to show us where uh, Thrawn is, right? Right. And for the good guys, hopefully they'll find where Ezra is. Not Miller, but Bridger. Right. Because Ezra is the one who sacrificed himself to kill Thrawn, and if Thrawn is alive, then maybe Ezra is alive too. Right. And that's the crux of your story. Mm-hmm. And there's some weird Jedi witch too. Hey, right. And the, 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 okay, so the Jedi witch is who Ahsoka got the map from and had her in lockup, and then the evil Jedis who aren't Sith came <laughs> to rescue her. Right, and killed so that was a cool scene. I always do love a prison escape. But that being said, the rebel, the new rebel, uh, whatever Senate, whatever the new group of people are terrible at keeping prisoners, Joe. Not only are they terrible at keeping prisoners, they're terrible at their initial setup because we get the bit where Ahsoka and Sabine go to like the old imper- the old Imperial shipyard. Corellia. They go to Corellia and they're talking to the guy and they're like, oh, yeah, we're just taking all the old Star Destroyers and we're breaking them down and we're making them into new stuff. And sure, a lot of the old Imperials are here, too. But they're all okay. And they're like, do you think that's a conflict of interest? And he's like, "Nah, they don't care as long as the check clears. And Todd, would you believe they care? (laughs) Yeah. For the Empire! (laughs) And I Uh, love the fact that a droid ratted them all out. Oh, droid. taken down by a what protocol are those, droid. One of those protocol droids, Todd. You can't trust them. Um. Okay. So. Um. I. Okay. So, and then we, you know, we get the battle. We get the third um, dark Jedi who, who says that they're not Sith. Um. They get away. The bad Jedi get away. They get the map to the witch lady. Uh. And again, I feel bad. I have the witch lady's name written down here. Right. Morgan Elizabeth. Elizabeth? Right. I'm, su- I'm surprised it's actually not Morgan LaFlay or something like that. Right. Sure. Um, so they get the map to her. She puts the map in the thing. It shows the solar system. She says, that's where Thrawn is. That's where we're going. But they, uh, the good guys, got a tracker on their ship so they could follow them to Thrawn to Ezra everyone's on the same path to the same place no I'm with you and like we said she ends up uh Ren ends up becoming the Padawan again but she's also got the Mandalorian and I'm with you like she has so many gimmicks it's fantastic uh but I, you know, I'm interested. I'm not going to say I hate the show. I really like the show, but I think the strong, another strong and weak part of the show is is that we have one great droid and another wacky, sassy robot droid, 
which I'm just, that's another thing I'm tired of sassy robot droids. And that's why I like the Jedi protocol droid who is the best and has one of the best voices in the biz in David Tennant. All right. Everybody calm down. Why? So I, I, before we get into the hot droid talk, I also want to say, I like the color palette for this show. Um, like at least with the rebel stuff, you right. see a lot more oranges and blues and like uh, like brighter colors. Right, right? Like Twilic done right. Yeah, ah, come on. And that because typically when you would see in in your your Star Wars movies, Empire evil is very black and gray. Uh, the good is very white with maybe a little bit of red, just to give it something. Yeah. But the fact that there's so much more of a color palette for the good guy side, I really like that. Um, but you're talking about the robots. Now, listen, you're going to say that Young is not a sassy robot because he absolutely is sassy. He's he, a wise robot. A he, wise no, robot. He gives Sabine a bunch of sass, right? No, he tells the truth. Mm, in a sassy way. Right. Where Chopper has two little arms on his head where he's throwing his arms in the air like he just don't care, Joe. All right. <laughs> Chop. I call him Chop. Well, his full his shoot name is Chopper. We're pal- Me and him are pals. I call him <laughs> Chop, right? You're close. Chop might be the new greatest character in not Star Wars history, but <laughs> fiction. Oh. Uh, uh, as good as Jesus Christ, then? Uh, <laughs> let's see how the eight episodes play out. Right. But so I know you're like, I'm sick and tired of sassy droids. This is the first sassy astromech. A little bit of listen, just a little bit of six and one half a half a dozen the other, right? Stop, but go ahead. Sat, he's a sassy astromech, and for no reason whatsoever, as Todd mentioned, out of like the top part, if you know an astromech droid, like your RD four whatever's or R five D four, yeah, yeah. So that's what Chop is. But on the head part that like turns, he has like little tiny arms that come out for no reason, so he can look for stuff. So he can be an you know animated. That's what all this is. Oh, and he's super sassy, and he's the best. I love. Well, okay. It. Oh my god, See, it was so I wa- good. I want to plead my case for sassy robots yes. because. R2-D2 is sassy. I'm 99% sure all his beeps are just him cursing people out. I, okay. I will say, um, R- the only person that R2-D2 is sassy to is C-3PO. And I definitely think a lot of that is C-3PO not understanding tone or be able to read droid cues of sarcasm. Okay. And I um, think BB-8 is sassy, too. No, no. It's just because he did, like, the, the middle finger thing one time. Uh, you sass once, you sass, you know, all the time. That was, that was just a little bit of... That was to show he had a little personality, Todd. And not just asthma check, but did you see Solo, too? I did, but, like, I well, saw it once and whatever. bring down, you know, the patriarchy of, you know, for robots, and she was all sassy, and Lando had a weird relationship. Whether, if sassy isn't the right word, it's 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 always like a weird, uh, like, you know what, just shut up and do your job, robot. I want the step robot from, you know, Andor, that's a good one. Just, there's a lot, like, robots who do their job, that's what I want. 
It, Todd, I have it in my notes. Even astromechs are sassy? Question mark. Yes. Todd, it's about Even- time that we got a sassy astromech. I'm on board. Uh, Chop may be the new greatest character, like I said, in Star Wars, nay, whatever. And the figures for uh, Ahsoka go on pre-order Wednesday, as many of you are listening to this. Right. And I'm really needing to kick the tires on whether or not I need a Chop action figure. You know what? Buy it. You're the guy who should have it. And it's going to sell. It's going to sell like gangbusters. Um, But I'm trying to get off the... The, the action figure narcotic, as you kids say. Um, mm-hmm. But I want that. Is it, How do you say his name? Hyung? Uh, Hu Yang, maybe. Hu Yang. Hu Yang. I kind of, I, I like Hu Yang. Just a classic reserved-wise uh, droid. I really like it. And he's been around for hundreds of years. And he's like 70% original, Joe. Mm-hmm. And he's a little sassy, too. Your robot's sassy. My robot's classy, Joe. Listen, listen, my guy's on the cover of Sassy Magazine. (laughs) Your guy's on the cover of Classy Magazine. Who's buying what, right? I'm buying Classy. Mm Mm-hmm. From ashy to classy, right? (laughs) Right. Uh, But no, listen, I had some fun. I really like it. If you watch the first episode and you're like, oh boy, info dump, the second episode was a lot of fun. Yep. And like I said, I really like the lightsaber scene. And when the one throws it at ah- Ahsoka and it comes back and she just kind of just no-sells it by stepping out of the way, I'm like, this is this is fun. All right. If you're going to give me Jedi's, just, I just want them with hammering on each other with lightsabers for 20 minutes. And of all the stuff that we've talked about, Ahsoka might be the least interesting part of the show. Yes, because she's like full on Jedi kind of a thing where she's like patient and she knows all the rules. So it's like Jedi's are normally non charismatic. Do you know what I mean? Like, like other than Yoda, you know what I mean? Because Yoda like talked in Yoda talk. But like usually they're just like, oh, we show up except when Mace Windows like this part is over. But I I don't know. That's kind of the thing. I like it. Dislike. And the other thing is. There are still a lot of Jedi for having no Jedi in 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 Star Wars. Like they're all dead, but Luke, except for these fifty that are running around. It's like Kryptonians in comics and DC. It's like there's only one, only one survivor, except for these hundred Kryptonians. But I like it. I'm sorry, I'm bagging on it. I, I am having fun. Right. But I liked it. I'm looking forward to the next episode. I know they put them out at 9 o'clock Eastern, so, you know, folks don't have to wait till midnight to see them. Yep, because uh, I, I was doing a look for, like, the overview of these two episodes. It's like, here's what happened in th- episode three. I'm like, ah, oh, look away. Avert your yeah, eyes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I always watch right before we record, like, usually the day of, uh, so everything's kind of fresh in my head, even though I take notes. Sure. Um, yeah, but... Uh, somebody talk me out of buying the chop action figure for listening to this. Uh, buy it. Sign the enabler. All right. Uh, well, listen. If if I'm buying Chop, I'm gonna see what combined shipping is, so I can get you your uh, sassy droid figure too. Classy droid figure. <laughs> all right. Enough. We can go out all night. Right. Anything else we need to cover regarding any of this nonsense? Uh, you know what we could discuss? Did we discuss pigskin pickups? 
We did not discuss big skin pickups. Can we had it in the middle somewhere where people listen? No, no. Listen, you're hanging out this long. Um, It's not like I don't have it in the notes. I have it in the notes, right? Right. Uh, Pigskin Pickums, go sign up. You got about a week left before the season starts of the football. Uh, Hang on, let me count how many people are in this one. Oh, there's 27 people in it. Um, but there's a bunch of people from soon to be named network, uh, from the other shows. A lot of the listeners are in there. It's just a straight pick them league. Uh, the link is the pinned post. When you go over to longboxheroes.com. it's the first one there. We are in our eighth year of doing this. Uh, so, you know, come on in, uh, have some fun. And you know what? I, I, I said, we didn't mention it last week and I almost certain that I did because I said my thing, which is. Uh, you do your pigskin pickums. You take it seriously. If I beat you in the standings, you can't be a football fan anymore because I just pick my teams based on the teams that my friends like, and then I don't look at them again until the end of the season. I have a feeling you didn't say that last week on this show. You probably did it on at odds. I do another show. Uh, uh, show? <laughs> a show? Yeah, it's more of a lifestyle than anything, yes. really. Yes. Gotcha. <laughs> All right, so that's how we're closing things out uh, next week. We're going to mention the pigskin pickups up front. It's the first thing I'm going to move it up to the top of the list. Right. Right. Hello everybody. And welcome to long box pigskin pickums. <laughs> All right. So, Hey, for Todd, this is Joe saying thanks for listening. This was episode 673 of long box heroes. And uh, we'll see you all here next week. Remember be a faucet, not a drain. Listening to the soon to be named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Networks. The Rob is a long box hero. The Rob is a long box hero. He gives us five five stars.